Head to netsuite.com slash briefing now for their one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. It's been a little more than a week since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. And what the court's conservative majority basically said in their opinion was, look, the U.S. Constitution has nothing to say about abortion. It's up to the states to act. So in the days that followed, states got to work. I just signed an executive order that solidifies California's status as a reproductive safe haven for women. Some blue states made moves to further strengthen abortion rights. A large batch of red states, meanwhile, already had restrictions ready to go. But it's not so cut and dry in some of those states thanks to numerous court challenges. And that's when it gets really tricky. What's legal, what's not? Is this even safe to be talking about over text? These are just some of the questions women and healthcare providers are asking right now. So today, we're going to go to the Midwest and see how this new reality is playing out on the ground. My guest is CNN's Alexandra Field. She's just back from Missouri, where one of the nation's strictest bans is already having wide-ranging impacts on both sides of the state line. It's July 3rd, and this is the Sunday edition of CNN Five Things. I'm David Rind. Alexandra, what happened in Missouri after the Supreme Court struck down Roe v. Wade? So I think wherever you were in the country, the ground sort of shook. This was a really seismic decision. But what was so different about this Supreme Court decision versus so many others was that we knew the effect was going to be felt immediately, that there were women who were literally in their cars or perhaps even in exam rooms who were going to be told all of a sudden, potentially, that they were not going to get the procedure that they had come for. The first state really that came to mind was Missouri, and that is because they acted so quickly. Today is a momentous day. The United States Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade. The attorney general, within minutes of the Supreme Court decision being issued, tweeted out that he was going to certify the state's trigger law. And he sort of proudly declared that Missouri would be the first state in the nation to implement its abortion ban. I am humbled to be a part of this and the first attorney general in the country to effectively end abortion. So our first thought was that we should jump on a plane, get to St. Louis, and understand how this was impacting people right away. So our first stop when we landed was to the Planned Parenthood in St. Louis, and that had actually been the only freestanding abortion clinic in the state that was still performing procedures. How did you feel when you heard the decision today? Well, you knew it was coming, but it was just sort of just a final punch. I'm a longtime nurse, and you know, I'm passionate about health care, and this is not health care for women. So we saw hundreds of people who came out to express themselves. One woman there said she knew it was coming. She had watched this happen over a course of years, but she called this a final punch. I can't believe that she doesn't have the same rights that I did when I was her age. She's 19. This is your daughter? Yes. There was another woman I spoke to who was out there with her teenage daughter who said she understood that the state had been moving in this direction, 
but she still stood somewhat in shock at the idea that she herself had had more rights as a woman than her daughter would have. I'm sick to my stomach and really, really angry, and I don't think that six people should be able to judge what millions of women think is right. So for women who need services like this, where do they go now? So in Missouri, we've been seeing something for the past couple of years that we're going to be seeing in states really all across the nation. Uh, in Missouri, for the last few years, every year, thousands of women have traveled out of state to get the care that they need. Uh, many of them crossing right into Illinois, going to a Planned Parenthood clinic there. Uh, if you live in St. Louis, it's not a great distance. If you live in other parts of Missouri, these are women who are used to traveling hundreds of miles already. Your constituents, what, yes. what are you hearing from them? What are you hearing from, from the women of St. Louis and Missouri in these last couple of days? Uh, so many people have reached out just saying, you know, what are we to do? What am I supposed to tell my friends? We also heard from Congresswoman Cori Bush. She's a Democrat from the St. Louis area. She had actually been inside the Planned Parenthood at the time the decision came down. It was hugely emotional for her. Uh, she's not just a strong proponent of access to abortion. She is a Congresswoman who had had an abortion herself in that very clinic as a teenager. Uh, for one of the clinics I actually visit, visited um, in Illinois, they said that they see about 5,000 people a year usually, but they said that now they're expecting to see 30,000. 30, she is deeply concerned about capacity in neighboring states. She knows that there's going to be an influx of women, not just from Missouri, but from other states. So she's looking into whether clinics in Illinois can handle this overflow. So the ripple effect is going to be felt across the Midwest. How concerned are you about capacity wait times for patients? It's definitely a concern, and we've already been seeing those um, as barriers for folks accessing care. We spoke um, to somebody at the Chicago Abortion Fund who says they are now working with women all across the Midwest to try to provide answers and try to set up that support. Back in 2018, the Chicago Abortion Fund says it supported about 200 women who were in need of procedures. Uh, this year, to date alone, they have fielded requests from 3,000 women. They expect that number to really balloon. Because we, as an organization, definitely does not have the resources to support all of those people on our own. And you know, some women, they say, need help with gas money or a train ticket. Others need help covering the cost of the procedure itself covering the cost of the travel, covering the cost of child care for other children at home. So, Alexander, I want to ask about these new laws and how these new bans get enforced, because we've seen local prosecutors in red states, even some in Missouri, say, hey, we're not going to waste time on these prosecutions. I don't agree with them, and they won't prosecute the bans. How does that play out, though, when we're talking about you know, medication abortion sent through the mail and all these other tricky issues that come up when we're talking about enforcing bans in such a patchwork way from state to state. This is a seismic change for a lot of the country. Yeah. How significant is the impact in Missouri? Yeah, so in many ways, Missouri's been operating in a post-row regime for the last few years since we... We actually put this question to a Republican state representative 
Mary Elizabeth Coleman. She um, was one of the architects of the trigger law. Now, she says this ban has effectively outlawed abortion in the state of Missouri, except, of course, in cases where the mother's life is in danger. And that means not just procedural abortions, but also medication abortions. So abortion medication is already illegal in the state of Missouri when the trigger ban went into effect on Friday. So um, enforcement, though. Well, I mean, enforcement, I think if people are going to want to risk being um, violating the law, then those providers are going to have to decide whether they think those criminal penalties are worth the risk. It's a lot of the conversation among lawmakers right now could turn to ways to limit abortion tourism. That's the practice of seeing these thousands of women cross the line for care into another state. Uh, Representative Coleman had previously proposed restrictions tied to the definition of aiding and abetting. Those conversations didn't go anywhere, but this is a conversation we could see happen again. When I asked her about this, uh, she said that future conversations would likely focus on penalties for providers, not the people assisting women seeking abortions and not the women themselves. The biggest concern for Republican lawmakers who want to protect the abortion ban is making sure that there is no right to abortion in the state's constitution. That's priority one for them. So you could see a ballot initiative or a referendum. That's really what they're talking about now. And, and that's kind of what I want to ask about, because we've seen so many court challenges in other states going back and forth. And I, I just imagine that is just so confusing and anxiety inducing for these women who, who need these procedures. How, how are they navigating that in places where it's just not totally clear what is legal and what is not? Yeah. So the law of the land for nearly 50 years changed, you know, within minutes and it becomes the burden of the woman to understand what the law is in her state. Take Wisconsin, for example, Roe versus Wade, which was established in 1973, was in the space of a day replaced by a law that was 173 years old, a law that would get rid of abortion in that state. How'd you find out about the decision and what was your immediate thought? Uh, yeah, so I found out the, about the decision. Um, I was actually in an email chain uh, that was kind of going back and forth about how to uh, help a patient who needed an urgent termination. I spoke to one woman who coordinates medically complex abortions. That's her job. She says she received an email that said due to the Supreme Court ruling, uh, the procedures couldn't be provided. And she was working with a patient at the time whose procedure had to be canceled. She said that this was a medically complex procedure. This is a woman who had recently been told that her pregnancy would not result in a living child. The woman was inconsolable, she says. She didn't have the financial resources. Um, she was concerned about the logistics of being able to set up an immediate appointment out of state and to travel there. She also needed help with childcare for the several children that she had at home. You were able to successfully help her? Yes, yes. I did work with a couple of clinics, and I found a place that had an appointment time for, um, but it was additional resources, um, both on the healthcare side, as well as um, this patient who had just been told that her pregnancy would not result in a living child, and she was grieving that. Um, she now all of a sudden had to uproot her life um, for the foreseeable future, essentially, um, just to access this care that, had she been diagnosed a week ago, literally would have been two appointments in town. 
And this is not a unique story. This is what uh, people who provide abortion care are dealing with in, in states across the country now. So look, even in a place in Missouri where the law seems pretty clear at the moment, there are new questions about what it could mean in the future. We actually saw in a pretty stark move uh, in Kansas City, Missouri, a hospital system had stopped providing Plan B. That's emergency contraception. It's not an abortion pill. The hospital had issued a statement saying that to ensure they adhere to all state and federal laws and until the law in this area becomes better defined, they would not provide emergency contraception at their Missouri-based locations. They have since flipped that decision, but it certainly pointed to fears that a bans could ultimately affect contraceptives next. Right. It just really speaks to this confusing moment we're living in from state to state. Alexander Field, thanks so much. Thanks. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Here's something else happening this week. And because tomorrow is July 4th, I've got to talk about the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest. You may know the basics. New York City, Coney Island, competitors get 10 minutes to consume as many hot dogs and buns as they can. To be honest, it's pretty gross, but thousands of people usually show up to watch, so what do I know? Joey Chestnut will try to top his world record of 76 hot dogs and buns, on the women's side, top-ranked Mickey Sudo is back from maternity leave and will try to beat her personal best of 48 and a half. And yes, if you live in a state where it's legal, you can bet on this thing. The Sunday edition of CNN Five Things is produced by Paolo Ortiz and me, David Rind. Our production manager is Matt Dempsey. Our senior producer is Mohammed Darwish. Our supervising producer is Greg Peppers. And the executive producer of CNN Audio is Megan Marcus. Special thanks this week to Kimberly Berryman. Have a nice week. I'll talk to you later. There have been a lot of jerks making the news week after week, and if you need a little pettiness to go with your politics, Hysteria from Crooked Media is the podcast for you. I'm Erin Ryan, political commentator and comedy writer. I'm former Obama White House Deputy Chief of Staff Alyssa Mastromonaco, and each week we discuss everything from the profound to the downright absurd. Joined by a crew of hilarious women from coast to coast, Hysteria leaves no stone unturned, from reproductive rights to the hottest trending topics. New episodes of Hysteria drop every Thursday wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.